0: Hello everyone, my name is Monica Glieberman, and you're listening to Silence On Set Podcast. Okay, I'm so excited to talk to you. First of all, I love the show. You know, I've heard like a lot of stuff. I did like so much research after season one, but like so many people were saying it's like 24. It's like, because there's so such a thriller to it Mm -hmm. the aspect of it so before i get like crazy into it because i have a million questions for you how did you first initially like way back like how did you first initially get involved with the project
1: so sean tube who plays my husband faraz kamali and i we're on another Apple TV show called Little America, which is a wonderful uh, anthology series about immigrants in America, and it's just so lovely. And that's where we we'd done another project together before that. But when Sean got Tehran, he suggested me to the producers, and I think the producers and the director, who's also a part producer, they were looking uh, to cast someone from the UK for the part of Faraz's wife and. So when Sean said she should audition, I did. I, I I spent like three days on the audition to make sure I make Sean look good since he suggested me, and it worked out. I got the part.
0: And by the way, I love that show, that anthology. It was so oh. good. It's such a. I it's recommend so it to people all the time. Oh, it's such a great. Like each story is so good. So it's I. Love so good. Show. Yeah, and you were fantastic in that, by
1: the way. Oh, thank you so uh, much.
0: <laughs> You're great. You so much. So that's crazy. So because you guys worked together before, he was like, mm-hmm. hey, check her out. Like she could be right. someone and then you audition. So when you were, did they tell you that you were going to be playing like a super skilled, like investigator, like genius or that you had to like worry about? Like, or did you have no clue what the background of the character when you audition?
1: The, I had no clue. I had no clue. The only thing that I knew was that the the director Danny Sirkin came to take Sean and I out to dinner one one day. And that's when he let me know that the character I'll be playing isn't just an ornamental wife type of Middle Eastern wife that is just there to give a little color to the husband who's the, but that she is going to be very intricately involved in the in the plot and then at that point we didn't even know there was a season two but she's much more intricately involved in the plot in season two
0: i always wondered about this so for this show it is it's crazy i mean like literally from the get-go like for so back for season one i remember like the first episode with the plane and they come off the plane and then there's like changing outfits and you're like wait what's going on and like why do I know this person? And like the whole time, I think we're, we're like running. It's like a marathon. Mm-hmm. We're like running with mm-hmm. you guys.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't think that you guys could outdo that <laughs> this season. Not mm-hmm. even crazier with the storylines right. and right. just how all of the characters are now intertwined. So how, as an actress, how do you prepare for that? And how do you also keep it straight? Because the storylines last season weave into directly into this season. And it's a lot. So like I don't know how so how do you keep all of that straight?
1: So first of all, the preparation I prepare a lot and I feel so fortunate that I have a partner of mine. We we are filmmaking partners together. So he helped me craft the character for the for the audition to begin with. And then when I got the part, we totally crafted the character of Nahid Kamali by moment to moment and, you know, to to make her very real and very rich and very multidimensional as much as you possibly can. For season two, I had to do a ton of, Watching different YouTube videos to see about people who have PTSD and agoraphobia, to see how their eyes move, how they sound, that that fear in their voice, you know, to to be able to uh, bring that to life. But as far as keeping it all together, you're so right. And as you know, because of the pandemic, a huge amount of time uh, fell between season one and season two. Um, What I ended up doing was I had to go back and watch season one to see the accent and the the rhythm that I had and the, you know, to to watch myself to be able to match that again. Because season two is only two months after what we saw in season one.
0: Yeah, and like as a viewer, I did the same thing. So like in between, so when season one ended and it ended so crazy, I remember going like, oh my God. And then because we had to wait, Mm -hmm. I was like, I need to watch like a recap. Cause I need right. to remember what everybody was doing. And because you pick up right, basically like two months later, like basically right where we left off, you kind of find out what happened in those two months and then it just keeps going. So I wanted to like remember, I'm like, wait,
1: who did what? So much happened in those two months that they don't show. So yeah. you just have to know that all these things happened and
0: yeah. And we're, and yeah. we're like, we're still finding stuff out. Cause we're only in the right. middle, like we still have episodes left. So like, right. I still don't know what's going right. on, but like, you're still right. kind of like going with everybody. Yeah. So for your character this season, I thought you did such a good job because first season we meet her, we hear about all her skills. We, we learn so much about her, mm-hmm. but I feel like this season we went next level because you start mm-hmm. understanding the effects of the things that she has done, the effects of the work and living the life that she has to live. Mm -hmm. So with the PTSD and all of the things that you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I know that you had said that you've done like research to kind of really portray it in like an accurate way. I think you did a fantastic job doing it. Thank you so much. Uh, I mean, it comes across, I think so authentic and honest. Mm -hmm. For those scenes, is it difficult because obviously you personally, you know, are not scared to go out or you're personally not, you know, hopefully dealing with PTSD or like have a one-on-one experience with it. But is, are those scenes hard? Because when they show you, it's very emotional. Like you really pull it from somewhere deep. And so I, Mm -hmm. like when I watch them, like, I, I think the first scene where you like, didn't want to like leave and you were like seeing like flash and then having like moments of like PTSD, Mm. I almost got like emotional because Mm. your character was so in depth and in tune with it. Basically, like, how do you do that? Because she evolves so much. And when we see it, it's just, it it was so real. Like I just Mm. felt everything that she was feeling.
1: Oh, thank you so much. So, you know, as far as PTSD, I, I, I I feel like humanity, just being alive, we all have PTSD to different levels because we've all been through traumas growing up. Uh, life isn't easy for human beings. It's not an easy era to be alive. For me personally, uh, I had to live through a revolution where I uh, we lost a lot of family members. A lot of family members and people we loved very much were executed because there was a revolution and a, a new government came in charge. So, this all has given me quite, and you know, and other things that have happened in my life have given me an idea of what PTSD feels like as well as of course, researching and watching people who have severe PTSD. But uh, something else that was a bit nerve-wracking that helped with bringing it home was the fact that the whole time that I was preparing the role to know that I'm preparing these lines to go up against an icon by the name of Glenn Close in season two, that was terrifying. And I didn't do myself any favors by watching some of her interviews just to see if I could get to know her before going on set and meeting her in these interviews. She looked so heavy and you know, it just scared me so much. And so I wonder if that kind of plays into it too. Although she ended up being incredible, just incredible. I, I was humbled. I learned so much from her.
0: And how does how does that work for you? So I would have been terrified too. I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. So when you walk on set and you're going to be playing scenes together and then you're Mm -hmm. also having, you know, mental health issues and things that are coming up for your character. When you work with an actress like that, do you guys work together? Do you guys communicate? Did she give you advice? Like what, how do you, because a lot of people say that, like, oh, I learned from this or I learned so much. So how does that process work when you're both kind of commingling? Because the scenes that you, I've seen you guys in together, I mean, you're very, Two powerful, strong women, usually, in the in these moments. Mm-hmm. So how does that work when you're not filming?
1: How it worked on this series in particular, because everything was so quick. We didn't even have time to rehearse. We hardly had time to talk about anything, except this is your mark and action. Just because it just wasn't the time. There just wasn't the time for it. So I don't know normally, I, you know, if we had the time, I I have no idea how, I'm sure it'd be so much better. It'd be so much better. But when I say I learned so much from her, wasn't that she was telling me or taking me under her arm so much, but just watching her, to watch someone look at my age, and she's a little older than me, at my age for me to take on a role where I have to speak a completely different language that is totally foreign to my ears and try to sound good speaking that language and to have to wear the the clothes she had to wear. She had to wear this heavy wig of long blonde hair under a hijab in a very hot summer in Athens. I mean, it was no joke. And the entire time, never complaining. Not once did she complain. She you know, when she wasn't busy studying her lines in Farsi, she was playing backgammon and having a great time with the cast and crew. And that's just, just watching how, yes, she puts a lot of work into it, but then she lets go and she's just having fun. That's what taught me a lot. And she has a stillness.
0: Does that help you let go because your content, not that last season wasn't heavy because last season was heavy, but like Mm -hmm. this season I think is more intense. So does that help Mm -hmm. you let go of those moments when you have, those scenes that are just, I mean, whether it's in the middle of like a shooting thing going on or a car ch- or like whatever's currently happening or the rush of what's happening mm-hmm. or the mental health issues that come up, mm-hmm. all of those things. I can only imagine doing that 16 hours a day or doing multiple takes or rushing to get through mm-hmm. it. So does that help you decompress when you see another actress or are you kind of watching her and go, Oh, that's how she steps away, that's how she kind of mm-hmm, releases
1: mm-hmm, it. Did you do mm-hmm. things like
0: that to try to release from this character?
1: You know, I, I didn't really release from the character. And it's so interesting you say this, Monica, because what I noticed is both times for season one and season two, I didn't release from the character. I came home and I got sick. I got really sick both times. And I think the reason is because your body doesn't know you're acting. Your body doesn't know you weren't kidnapped or you're not going through some awful, thing. So even though your head knows that I'm like, oh no, I don't need to release. I think you're right. I think next time I'll figure out a way of releasing better.
0: Yeah. You go through so much. So I'm like, how do you do that sixteen? You know, because the days people don't realize like for shows like this and how fast you're moving, Mm -hmm. like the hours that you guys put into Mm -hmm. it and the amount of tapes. You know, it yeah. always looks, and you guys do it, and you in particular, I think you're such a fantastic actress. You, oh, it makes you, it look so. like you do everything in one take. So you're yeah. doing, like, crying over and over, or you're doing the right. PDF over and over. Right. So I'm like, how does she, like, leave set after 8, right. 12, six hours right. and be like...
1: I'm done with it. But- I, I, I need baths. I need baths. And the the <laughs> hotel I was staying at is this beautiful hotel in Athens called the Divani Caravel Hotel, and they one of the rooms like I had to change rooms to get a room with a bathtub. And unfortunately, they're redoing the hotel and they don't want to give any more bathtubs. But that sitting in a bathtub really helps me to release. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I really feel like I wouldn't have, I would have been sick a lot longer if I hadn't have had the opportunity to just be sitting in a bath of Epsom salt. And I took my own Epsom salt to Athens from CVS pharmacy <laughs> in LA. Cause I didn't know if I, you know, I didn't know how you say Epsom salt in Greek.
0: Well, I was going to ask you like that. It's so funny. Cause as we're kind of like talking, these are all questions ahead had in my brain. So while you're filming there, I think I like when I was researching online, some of the cast and crew are us, some of the cast and crew mm-hmm. are local and from mm-hmm. Greece. So from Greece is there and, and
1: many and many are israeli by the way so it was an israeli group and a, a and a greek group and
0: So how does that, all the communication go on with with that like is that like super overwhelming too and then and you're also living there because you're living there while you're filming That's
1: right you're living there while you're filming how do you deal with that on It top- works beautifully uh, thank god for the english language that everyone spoke so people communicated to each other in english but they they were such a great crew It it was so much fun. At one point I I got so heat stroked because it was in the middle of the Athenian summer. It was super, super hot and I'm in hijab. And I just almost passed out on the couch and I look up and there's like five beautiful women fanning me like half Israeli, half Greek. And I thought, oh, I should have had children. I would have had daughters.
0: (laughs) This season, I know that you guys were filming during COVID and it wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily, it didn't, I don't know if it crossed over with everything that was happening with Ukraine or not, but I wanted to know if, um, a lot of the content though, I feel like is very relevant Mm -hmm. to a lot of what's going on with Ukraine. So when you guys were like reading all the scripts and you had mentioned earlier in the interview that you went through, like your own, like, you know, dealing with your own country and your own kind of Mm -hmm. war. So do you relate to that on a deeper level, the material, because it is very reminiscent of kind of what's happening now.
1: Yeah, it is. As a matter of fact, season one, there was a protest that was filmed, you know, a fake protest, obviously, for, for Tehran that was filmed in season one. And when I got home and I got sick, a part of the reason why I was sick was I was so depressed that there was a protest going on in Iran that happened months after we filmed ours for Tehran. And 1,500 young people were shot by government forces. And it just destroyed me to hear that. And yeah, there are a lot of, you know, how art uh, follows reality. However, that said, at its core, Tehran is a narrative. It's a completely fictitious narrative about identity and loyalty, loyalty to your loved ones or loyalty to your country. And it's something that everyone can relate to around the world, but it isn't, you know, the, 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 political stuff is just a backdrop for a an exciting white knuckling nail biting super fast thriller to entertain people
0: yeah and because we're I think we just saw episode six I think was the Mm -hmm. last one we just saw so like I'm like what's happening (laughs) you know what can you tease I know we're almost at the end but like what can you kind of tease coming up because I'm just like all over the place with the season. I, I have no idea how you guys are going to end it. And last season, I literally, I watched like four videos to explain to me the ending. Cause I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I was like, what, what did just I happened? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, hold on a second. So I feel like this season I'm going to be the same, like, cause so much has gone on. So can you tease anything about like what's coming up for like the last what couple can, episodes?
1: What I can tell you is my favorite episode is episode 7 and it was my favorite episode when i you know when i was preparing and i'm just reading it and by the way nahid my character doesn't i'm not in episode 7 much i mean very little bit but it's my favorite episode because of something that happens at the end that i had to close my jaw physically close my jaw when i read the last word of that episode The rest of it, I tell you, Nahid is just getting, she's getting her confidence back. That's something that I love about this series is that women are even more front and center than they were in season one. It's a very female driven, obviously, the main character is a woman. But in season two, as you know, Mossad is headed by a woman. Yulia, she's played so amazingly by um, Sarah Von Schwartz. And my characters change this incredible arc is happening to go from deep, deep PTSD to being able to live life. And I'm going to kick some butt.
0: I'm excited about that. It is, yeah. it is true. It's very rare. And, you know, and when people compare your show, like they'll, they'll say, like, like I said earlier, 24 and things like that. But those are all male-dominated shows. A right. lot of the shows where you're like, what's going on? What's happening? Are male-dominated shows. So mm-hmm. it is like when, now that you like said it, you know, obviously, cause I'm a woman and I, and I'm mm-hmm. watching it, I feel at home watching it. So like, mm-hmm. I don't even realize, but mm-hmm. it is full of very powerful, very strong women. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the women are the ones making the moves. So mm-hmm. Like I didn't even kind of like put that even together with mm-hmm. with everything. So is that nice? Because like I know as things have kind of evolved, like, yes, we're getting more women on TV. Do we have enough? No, I mean, we need more, mm-hmm. but is mm-hmm. it nice that we're at a, at a level where you're on a show that probably would have been all men and now is mm-hmm. very, I mean, mm-hmm. there are obviously big male characters and situations that they cause, but mm-hmm. that there are so mm-hmm. many females on the show. With like good parts, not like yeah, people I, that are like coming and going, like with really yeah, good parts.
1: Yeah, with really good parts, totally. Yeah, I I'm so excited about it. And I choose to be positive because yeah, if you if you look at it, absolutely it's not enough. But I it's just so much better to be positive and to to keep nurturing more and more of these, these things happening. And, and I think that more streaming services will see that uh, women are watching and they want to see, and, and people of color are watching, people of different sexual orientations are watching, and, and we all deserve to see representations of ourselves on, on the screen. It's the reason why I came into acting so late in my life was because I, I wanted to do this since I was 15. It was my my passion and my dream, but I never saw any representations of me. Very, very few women, certainly no one that looked like me and was an immigrant and was this bilingual from Iran, forget about it. I never thought, I thought acting was something for the gods. I never imagined that I was allowed to do that.
0: That's, that's like crazy. Cause like when I see, obviously, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not you, but when I see you, I go, oh my God, like she was born for that, you know, and I've seen, like I said, I've seen you in little uh, America. And so everything I see you in, I'm like, she's fantastic, but it's interesting that for you and it may, and it completely makes sense that you didn't have someone to look at and say, I could do this. So you just Mm -hmm. thought you couldn't until Mm -hmm. you did,
1: Mm -hmm. which is kind
0: of like your character, which is kind of ironic. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. She's
0: going through the same thing where like, she, I think, I felt like she felt she couldn't get out of the PSD. She was never going to be able to move on. She was Mm -hmm. never going to move forward. And Mm -hmm. she's kind of coming out of it. So I, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that you as a personal journey was the same. Like you felt like there's no one like me. There's no one that looks like me. Like this Mm -hmm. is not something Mm -hmm. I can do, but then you Mm -hmm. did it.
1: But then I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I really was my own worst enemy. But another thing I did was I did theater. I did theater, for Iranians. So in, in the Persian, in the Farsi language, for Iranians in diaspora. And so for the past 20 years, I would do theater and just tour the globe. I just never imagined that I could do film and television. And and it wasn't until things changed and more stories came out about, you know, like Little America, like this one. And, and by the way, I'm so grateful for Apple TV I'm so many streaming services, but but Apple in particular, that it's really uh, not only is it home to some of the best storytellers, but that they are really trying to tell stories that are much more global and focused on the collective humanity.
0: Yeah, they have really made a name like between, obviously like Coda got so much attention, but I watched it before it got attention. And I mean, Apple was spending money and I mean, and they they spend the money. I mean, the, your mm-hmm. show looks fantastic. Little America looks fantastic. I mean, they're mm-hmm. willing to put it out for people mm-hmm. to watch it and mm-hmm. it's nice to see people and what's funny is you know for me like yes like oh oh you know I'm a white woman so like of course they go oh well you wouldn't be interested in that no to me it's fantastic mm-hmm, because mm-hmm, I want to learn about all of these different cultures I want to hear the different languages I want to like experience all that I want to learn so yeah. Apple has been one of those really founding for me forces where I watch a lot of the content on there and I'm like, God, it's good. Like how they recorded it and filmed it and the money they put into it. But I learned so much. So to me, it's a joy to watch. Yeah, and
1: we we learn about ourselves. Totally, we learn about ourselves. And that's why this whole idea of race drives me crazy so much because I studied biological anthropology at, at UCLA when I thought I could never be an actor. I better go to medical school. But there is no such thing as race. There is no such thing it doesn't exist it's like saying the race of people who have high cheekbones it's not a race mm. of color that it's these arbitrary things that we the humanities just created for itself and the fact is that the more that we learn about people of different cultures that the aspects of our cultures might be totally totally different but you know when you create stories that examine the collective humanity and what we have in common. You learn more about yourself, regardless of where your cheekbones are, how much melatonin you have or don't have. It's all BS.
0: Yeah, it's but, crazy. I mean, yeah. other than the fact that you're beautiful, when I Thank watch you, you <laughs> cause I don't, I'm not like, oh, I look as good as she does. Like you're beautiful, you. but you're like, beautiful. Um, like I said, you're such a, it comes across so authentic. And so when I watch it and I told you, like I almost got emotional, I don't have PTSD and I don't have like the various things that she has. And, and I didn't have even like the craziness that happened in season one and like all of that background either, but I related to her. Like I just felt for her and like all of these shows are pushing us forward in a, Mm -hmm. in a new way that we've never experienced before. And that's why I feel like it's so critical to have these Mm -hmm. kind of shows on
1: Mm-hmm. And it's so important. I re I really feel like the the next step in evolution of humanity is to understand one another and to be interested in one another, regardless of cultural background or amount or lack of melatonin, mm-hmm. right? And. Uh, and I feel like storytelling is that the catharsis that comes from theater and film, definitely books too, definitely reading books too, but there's something special that happens when your eyes watch it. Because when you're reading a book as amazing, and I swear to God, I'm not putting, re- reading books are, is so important, uh, and it's something we all must do, but... When you're reading a book, you're also using your left brain to understand the language and to read. When you watch a story unfold in front of you, uh, performed in front of you, either on a stage or with a camera, what's happening is you're using the right side of your brain completely. So these actors and storytellers are using a little bit of their left going into their right bringing you into your right side and so much transformation happens mm-hmm. when you're giving yourself the time to close that left brain that's like oh uh, what time is it did you eat did you do this oh make sure Oh, is that car getting too close that when you shut that off and you experience other people's lives through your right side of your brain human evolution is happening
0: yeah it's for me. the better it's pretty amazing and you spoke mm-hmm. about earlier about theater so mm-hmm. you um are you you founded um are you like or worked with like the turquoise mm-hmm. heart
1: yeah, right? yeah i looked
0: that up too yeah. and i saw that you do yeah. like a whole ton of stuff for theater so I uh, obviously i would i would ask you a million questions about the show that you can't tell me but for this <laughs> at least you can tell me so for that why did you want to kind of participate in that And deal so much with like the activism and the writing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. helping people really connect with the art of theater
1: Mm -hmm. for two reasons i love theater but i really got into the activism activism of theater to show the west that we iranians are artists we're just like you we're different facets of you don't hate don't Be complacent and allow a war to happen because you think, oh, these are people I don't care about. These are real people and they have real dreams and real pains and real art, just like you. That was part of it. And the other, uh, so that's why a lot of the plays that I would direct are plays that you've seen, they're adaptations of plays that you've seen, but they're adapted to an Iranian American family. And I direct and act in and produce them. But the other reason is for Iranians to know how beautiful Iran used to be before the revolution. It was such a special place. And unfortunately, it's all all about being so negative, which is why I told you, I prefer to be positive about taking these steps forward as women in in the film uh, realm. Because the, the negative way of being is, it only just keeps destroying. You know, Iran was this incredible country. Yeah, it wasn't perfect. So instead of just working on things that aren't perfect and trying to fix that, they decided to revolt. And, you know, a, a few people are happy because they're thriving, but very few compared to the majority. Majority of people are very miserable right now, unfortunately, in my yeah. home country.
0: It's hard to because I have a couple of friends that can't go back. And they have Yeah, like I can't go back. Yeah. yeah. And, and which is hard to understand for someone that grew up differently, like, you know, in a different mm. country where it was completely different. So mm. I was trying to understand, I'm like, what do you mean? And and there's so many reasons as to why you can't, and it's just crazy to me that you're, you can't even mm. go back and
1: mm. see
0: it or visit, and I, I hope that changes. But mm. I think like the work That's that you're true. doing is, is so amazing. How can people support the theater production? Because it's it's Turquoise Heart production, Turquoise
1: comedy, productions, yeah. right? So like, yeah. how,
0: how can they like support that
1: and help? Just to to see, just to see the things that we create. I, I actually was going to direct a play for the Department of Mental Health, the LA Department of Mental Health, and it turned into a film. It's called Wake Up Sleeping Beauty. That's a film that myself and my production company and two of my really close friends. One is a mythology PhD. One is an incredible therapist and writer. They created this play that I then turned into a film during the pandemic. That is a very cathartic film. It's in Persian with English subtitles. But you know, just to follow me on the Instagram and see what we're putting out when when it comes out. I know that this film, Wake Up Sleeping Beauty, is going to be it's going to be provided for free on the cross-cultural expressions website, but we might do a, a screening of it sometime soon. So if friends follow me, you'll know when the film's coming out, when my other plays are coming out, when other projects are coming up. I know that you
0: said, you know, episode seven, you're in very little, which I'm kind of sad mm-hmm. about. I'll have to take <laughs> it up with the writers. But you said it's one of your favorites. Now I'm like nervous yeah. because yeah, you feel, yeah. like your jaw is on the floor. So for the finale are we all going to be like what the heck when it like is it one of those like where we're just going to be like oh my gosh what just happened is that what like we I,
1: should- I i or was that? like oh my gosh what just happened when i read it so oh, so okay. i can imagine so
0: <laughs> okay oh my gosh so, what
1: just happened totally so
0: what would you recommend what would you tell fans you know obviously we're coming to the end i'm hoping i don't know if they know they haven't announced anything for a season three yet which I'm hoping they do soon. But what would you like tell fans, like as we're kind of rounding the corner for the end of the season, you know, that don't get to talk to you. They don't get to hear all these. I mean, they'll hear all these amazing things about you now, but they don't get to speak with you and they're so excited. And we like, cannot wait. It's almost like when you're like really excited to eat something and then you eat it and you're like, no, because then it's like gone and it's over. So we right. cannot wait to see like the last like, you know, episodes. But then at the same time, we're like, oh, like now we have to wait. So what would you tell fans in terms of, hopefully there'll be a renewal, but Mm -hmm. in terms of the ending and what we should do to survive until we hear about a season three, because we're so excited.
1: I say, put on your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy roller coaster ride, but so thrilling. And I really hope a season three happens. There's just no way a season three could not happen. It has to I hope it has so. to
0: i know i ho- so. like i was hoping they would announce it before the season ended just so like i would feel safe
1: right, I right.
0: Yeah. so i was hoping they would announce it, but they haven't yet and i'm like no announce it come on yeah. so hopefully there'll be a season three
1: yeah. hopefully yeah
0: yeah but, and but then, you-
1: there has to be a season three because otherwise it's like
0: what oh yeah. no uh, okay so basically fans we need to prepare we just like yeah. mentally prepare because of the yeah. ending yeah We all have to start a campaign because we need to have a season three. We all need to follow you doing a million things, which is like, you know, so interesting. (laughs) My, my last thing would just be, are there any other projects that you're working on? I mean, I know obviously you're doing theater, you're doing all these things, but is there anything else coming up that we should look out for? I know you mentioned the movie, but anything else that we can kind of like plug for people to like kind of keep their eyes open for Mm.
1: Thank you. Well, if people are in or around Los Angeles until, from now until August, the, the Getty Museum is doing a beautiful Persian exhibition of ancient Persia, and I do the voiceover for that, so you'll hear my voice in, the, in that. So that's happening, and there are uh, a, few, uh, a few stuff that I have coming up that I can't talk about yet, but you're going to hear my voice, and you will see my face.
0: Okay. okay. So, so there's stuff, there's stuff coming. Yes, there's, the stuff.
1: there's
0: stuff. Hey. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for speaking with me. And I, it was such a joy to meet you and to mm. not only see how different you are from your character, which, you know, <laughs> but to just meet you here, hear you explain things, hear you talk about it.
1: And you Monica are delightful. So thank uh-huh. you so much. This was really lovely for me too. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Silence On Set podcast. My name is Monica Gleiberman. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for more interviews to come.